Welcome to Day 187 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe and Matt Kresge. And uh, we are finishing up the book of 1 Timothy. Very rarely do we get to start a book and finish the book in the same week. We usually leave you in a cliffhanger on uh, Fridays, but uh, we are coming to the very end. And, of course, we have a couple of reading of out of Psalms for you, you know, both on Saturday and Sunday to prepare your heart for worship. And uh, we'd love to see you uh, worshiping with us this mm-hmm. weekend, either outdoors or on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, yeah. the 10 o'clock service, or uh, even online. We still you know, sense the unity that we have in the Spirit, uh, even through distance. Love hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we continue in First uh, Timothy. These are unique, you know, letters of Paul. You have Paul's uh, letters that he has written, you know, to churches as he's actively involved in ministry. Then you have Paul's letters that he's written to churches uh, while he's been in prison, you know, not so much active in ministry to churches, but uh, nevertheless sharing the gospel with everyone around him, and those are called the prison epistles. And then you have these final three letters that come toward the end of Paul's life. These are his farewell letters, um, he has great hope in him that he will be restored to these uh, young men, but in all likelihood, he he never was. So he writes to Timothy, um, who he has a rich history with, you know, that we read about in the book of Acts, and Titus, uh, who also is, is a young man. We don't have as much biography on Titus, but we know that Paul also entrusted him to difficult task. And uh, this is how we uh, close out the letters of Paul. So we've come to the very end, and... Uh, Mostly Paul is giving us you know, practical instructions on how we ought to behave ourselves in church, mm-hmm. which is the same thing your mother told you uh, when you were growing up in Sunday school. You, you didn't grow up in Sunday school. So your My mother, mom didn't tell mother, me all these things. Yes, yeah. Yeah. These are not the things she told you, but she just told <laughs> yeah. you you needed to behave Set in church. Straight. Paul has his own version of how to uh, behave in church. So before we continue and uh, draw this letter to a rich close, uh, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Matt, even though your mother never told you how to behave in church, (laughs) why don't you pray for us as we learn how to behave in church? Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for this letter. We thank you for your word. We thank you for um, the reminder of of what you've done in Christ Jesus to rescue a people for yourself and to establish your church. God, as we continue to read through the letter to First Timothy, uh, would you continue to shape us through it? Uh, thank you for time together in your word. Uh, God, would you be glorified through us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were a father. Treat younger men, by the way, I'm reading in chapter 5. Uh, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her help in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows until she is over 60, 
has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desire overcomes their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she can continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Those elders who are sinning, you are to prove before everyone, so that others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. Sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation, a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is at root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and lords of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. All right, what a nice conclusion on this. We have a long list of how to treat widows in the church, and a lot of that, you know, does not, uh, you know, didn't really come into uh, play in the modern in the modern church. But you can see how the church cared for one another, mm-hmm. and how important it was. And evidently, those widows who were put on the list had made a pledge to offer themselves fully to Christ and fully to the service, you know, mm-hmm. the service of the church. And so, younger widows don't don't be premature in putting them on the list because. They'll see some handsome guy and just want to get married and yeah. and run off, you know, <laughs> right after them. Anyway, so uh, what are some of the things that stand out in your reading of the last two chapters of Timothy? I mean, it's definitely along some of those lines. I mean, even though some of it might not necessarily enter into our world all the time, there is this under and this foundational sense of man as as the church. Let's let's care for one another, right? Um, there's that deep concern of how are you? What's going on? How can I be involved in your life, helping meet the needs that are around you. And then especially when he says in verse 8 that anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, I mean, that's really strong language that Paul's putting behind this, saying the care and concern we have for one another should be really evident. And if there's not care and concern, that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and, of course, you know, James and his, his little you know, book, I said, you know, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And you see both strands of that, you know, as Paul concludes here, you know, here is how you take care of those who are deeply in need within the church, those who are especially vulnerable, which would have been widows. Uh, And then here's, you know, how you respect those who are put in places of leadership and uh, here's how you ought to think about the things of the world. Mm. Uh, when he says, don't be polluted by the world, yeah. part of it is our desire for wealth and our desire for the things that can buy, and we become more worldly than we are godly. Mm. Yeah, I think it shows you, you know, the early church was was wrestling with the same kind of like discernment stuff as we do when we kind of consider, I mean, even you hear like you read books or when helping hurts, you know, how do we properly care for those among us who are in really, who really are in need? And, and at what point do we have to to say, you know, someone in the household needs to come along and support? I mean, those are hard conversations and decisions. And we see the early church having to give thought to this as well, as Paul's writing to Timothy saying, you know, the, the elders of the church ha- and the deacons have to discern, you know, how to, how to care for those among them. And, and he does warn them. And, and you see it, um, I think, even for us, you know, where he says, you know, do not show, um, you know, partiality. Do it without partiality. And do nothing out of favoritism. You know that if we're not careful, we'll, we may be motivated by our own, you know, favoritism rather than by the gospel and the God of the gospel, who, who wants us to take care, you know, the least of these and, and the widows and the orphans. And also, kind of a, kind of wild line, you know, in verse twenty-four and twenty-five. You know, the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them, and uh, in the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even more, 
um, and even those that are obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Yeah, so getting to see this kind of consequences of caring, not caring, um, and, and obviously meeting the needs of those and doing those good deeds um, to one another. Uh, yeah, there's not a, uh, your wickedness is not always obvious. He says some yeah. some people it's very obvious right yeah. up front. Oh, it kind of gets ahead of them. You know, it arrives at judgment before they do. Others, you know, follows behind them. It's, it'll only be revealed, you know, when they sit before the judgment seat of Christ. But then you come to the fruit of the gospel, mm-hmm. which is which is good deeds. And you said, how can that keep happening? Mm-hmm. You know, that's something you know that uh, you might not see at first, but eventually it's you know eventually it's going to come out. And of course, there's a little phrase you know tucked away back in our you know, discussion on the widows. I think is so apt in verse six of chapter five. The widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. And of course, that's not you know just restrained to widows. People who live for pleasure obviously are dead even while they live because they're pursuing you know the wrong things. And he can easily you know easily transition that into you know the whole conversation you know about wealth and how to handle you know how to handle wealth. Yeah. Um, those that uh, uh, you know fall in love with money and the things that money can buy—it's uh, mm-hmm. the root of all kinds of different evils. Uh, and many have you know, followed this and have pierced themselves. I'm, I'm going back to the King James with many pangs. <laughs> many pangs. Yes, in, in doing that. But godliness with contentment yeah. is great gain. Yeah. We brought nothing in the world, and we take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing. We'll be content with that. Yeah. And if you cannot be content once your basic needs are met, there is nothing along the line that you can add to yourself in the way of wealth or in the way of accumulation or savings or whatever, you know, that uh, will bring, you know, contentment. If you can't be content Mm -hmm. with the basics, you're not going to be content with the more extraordinary, you know, gifts of this life as well. Mm. You know, and it's easy to think, well, we're not really wealthy. Yeah, yeah I mean, good thing I'm not rich. Yeah, good thing we look at like a Jeff Bezos or you know Elon Musk and think those are the wealthy guys of the world, and until we realize and we back up that if you're, you know, if you're living in America for the most part, you're in the top you know couple percentile when it comes to to wealth in this world, and, and so we probably have our our wealth and our materialism probably has a much deeper hold on our hearts than we realize it does. Yeah, especially if you you know go back to what Paul is saying, you know where where does wealth begin when you have more than food and clothing? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that that's when you're you know that's when you truly. Wealthy. I've got a lot more food and clothing. Uh, you know if yeah. if Gosh. you know if you're you know if you if you can't cover yourself and and you're not eating, then obviously there's there's a sense of distress there. But once you have that, there ought to be a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. You know that's coming through, mm-hmm. so. Yes, we have we have much. Yeah. We have really great food. We have really great clothing. We have really, you know, great homes with you know really great stuff in our our garages. And uh, uh, so that's right. If we're, we're thinking about the wealthy person as the person who has more than we do, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're really skewing our vision of what wealth is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's so scary. I mean, you know, obviously in verse ten, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Like. That's a really serious consequence, and and what a sad exchange of all that we've been given in Christ, right? And and to leave that for the gains of, of the world, mm-hmm. um, and so what a sad thing to wander from all the riches in Christ for just some money here and now. And it's easy to say and easy to kind of say it to someone else, but 
you know looking at my own heart in that as well and uh, to really bring home the emphasis on it you know he seems like he's concluding the letter you know in chapter six in the beginning in you know verse 13 i charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our lord jesus christ which god will bring about in his own time god the blessed and only ruler the king of kings and lord of lords who alone is immortal who lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and might forever by the way command those who are rich one more time yeah. let me say this to you and of course this is what we are to do with our wealth uh, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant not to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to have their hope fully set in god who is the one who provided everything for us for our enjoyment command them to be good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share in this way they'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life which is truly life yeah, truly life. And, and this is foundational paul's uh, you know paul's gospel of giving all the way through our in jesus's as well that uh, we are to you know lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven by using wealth for the sake of the kingdom and for uh, those around us who are less fortunate you know than ourselves uh, to be a, a generous people and to let our richness be good deeds yeah. not accumulation of money yeah father we thank you that you have richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment and we ask your forgiveness when our hearts are drawn away by those things and that we desire more and more of the things that cannot ultimately satisfy and remove ourselves further and further from the life which is truly life for which you have taken hold of us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.